Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that is so bad, not even strobe lights and a disco ball can make it better or merrier. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you 100% pre-recorded. Yep, my last trip of the year. I will be on the road all this week, so this is actually uh, Monday morning. Monday morning, kind of early for me. Anyway, in uh, tonight's show, in uh, pipe parts, going to be kind of a hodgepodge, a little update on FDA stuff, and... uh, some last-minute uh, gift ideas. Just get that out of the way. Kind of a uh, mixture. Uh, my guest tonight is uh, Richard Lawton, and uh, you want to talk about a guy who's got an interesting past. Uh, just wait until you hear what uh, what Richard did and uh, all that. So anyway, he's uh, making pipes now, so we'll talk to him. Um, music, mailbag, and a uh, another rave, another rave for you. All that coming up on tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Um, I do want to, I want to, uh, you know, I, I pay attention to Facebook. Um, Facebook is the only social media thing that I'm regularly on, unless it's on Twitter where I'm blasting some company for their uh, anti-smoking policy. Uh, but on Facebook, I check it twice a day, three times a day. And uh, the, the Christmas gift-giving season you know, sometimes it's hard for me to get into the right frame of mind when it comes to uh, going out shopping for others. Well, you uh, you pipe makers that post pipes on Facebook, you're not making it any easier on me, especially uh, those of you that had uh, Black Friday sales, and uh, every once in a while I'll see one pop up where somebody's uh, doing a uh, Christmas sale, you know, an extra 20% off here or there. So I'm sitting there looking at pipes, and I'm going, ah, boy, that'd be nice. Um, oh, no, I'm supposed to be buying gifts for other people, not buying myself a uh, pipe for Christmas. Uh, but uh, anyway, if you're not on Facebook, uh, check out, uh, go on Facebook, check out some of the pipe makers that are running these deals. I'm sure they're announcing them on Instagram and Twitter as well. If you are on Facebook, follow me, and uh, you'll see uh, occasionally what I'm up to. And uh, while you're there... Give the Pipes Magazine radio show a like. All right, let's get the show rolling. Everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan. 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. 
Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show. In just a few minutes, Richard Lawton will be with us. And, uh, hey, in the meantime, uh, 11 shopping days till Christmas. So, let's wrap up the, uh, we'll wrap up the Christmas gift-giving guide with uh, some pipes and some tobaccos. Uh, Tobacco-wise, there's always some sort of a holiday release for tobacco. And uh, with the pending FDA uh, with the pending FDA regulations, uh, this may be the, I don't know, the last time we see a bunch of Christmas releases. Um, right now, Cornell and Deal's got a uh, corncob pipe blend. Peterson has their traditional holiday season. Uh, McClellan has their Christmas cheer and then their uh, holiday spirit. Uh, holiday spirit being an aromatic and Christmas cheer being a Virginia. All of these make an absolutely great uh, stocking stuffers, uh, including we at uh, we at Sutliff have uh, introduced our uh, or reintroduced our Christmas spice for the holiday. It's just a bulk tobacco, so it makes a great little uh, great little stocking stuffer. Um, pipe wise, so besides a great brand new pipe. Um, some of the pipes that I think make great gifts are the old uh, the old Hungarian or Austrian hunting pipes, the really uh, decorative looking ones with the big with the porcelain bowls and the silver caps. You can find those on eBay. I do know some people that smoke them. I know that mine hangs in my uh, hangs in my office here, where it's a, a nice looking decorative piece. Uh, stocking stuffer pipe wise, nothing better than. Uh, then a fistful of corn cobs from Missouri Meerschaum for uh, stocking stuffers, all different shapes, sizes, and uh, great prices. So uh, makes a perfect stocking stuffer. You can pair that with one of these uh, with one of these holiday tobaccos. Um, up the price range, uh, Mark Tinsky's got his uh, Christmas pipe that's been going on since uh, the 1980s. Peterson has always had a Christmas pipe, and it's uh, no different this year. And uh, Savinelli's got a uh, St. Nicholas pipe that's got a uh, emerald green stain to it. Uh, going back in time, you can also uh, find on eBay, Kamoys used to do an annual Christmas pipe, and it would come with some sort of a base. And then the, uh, the big daddy of them all is uh, Dunhill and their uh, Christmas pipes. Uh, some very ornate, some more uh, uh, less ornate, but... Uh, for, at one point, they were doing the Twelve Days of Christmas, and a pipe came in a uh, in a book with a specific tamper theme to that uh, day of Christmas. That was a twelve year long set. Uh, they've done uh, Charles Dickens characters. I mean, just a just a ton of great stuff. Um, not sure what they did this year, but uh, hey, you can still uh, find those older ones somewhere on uh, on the estate market. And uh, look around for the new ones. But again, that's uh, not exactly a stocking stuffer priced item. Um, so that about wraps up uh, uh, pipes, tobaccos, books, accessories, all kinds of gift buying stuff for the pipe smoker or uh, what's out there. Now let's uh, update you just real quickly on what's gone on with the FDA. Uh, about 10 days ago, eight count them, eight members of the House of Representatives uh, across the aisle. So uh, both sides, Republican and Democrat, one of them a MD, uh, sent a letter to the FDA uh, asking them to remove the 
opening uh, or removed the discontinuing of selling of bulk tobaccos. Uh, what they said was that a product that has already come from a manufacturer that is deemed by the FDA and regulated does not constitute a change if somebody just opens up the bag and portions it out. Uh, at the same time, they also said that if a tobacconist takes two deemed products and further mixes them together, thus making a custom blend, that does not deem a new product, and they felt that the uh, undue restrictions upon uh, small businesses like tobacconists and the further redeeming of these already deemed products was unnecessary and unburdensome. Um, now, not to get your hopes up, to the best of my knowledge, there's been a couple of other letters that have come from Senate and Congress to the FDA, and the FDA has not responded to any of them. But it was still exciting and nice to see a uh, to see a letter from members of the uh, of the United States Congress that specifically talked about bulk tobaccos or even the pipe tobacco industry. Uh, the other thing the FDA announced last Friday was they are delaying the requirements or the time for manufacturers to register their brands. Uh, they're delaying it from December 31st all the way until June. Uh, citing that uh, you know that the, the the industry needs more time for it, what I think, and remember I'm the leading expert on my own opinion, and here it is. Um, I think the FDA is not ready for everything that they're going to get. Uh, at the same time, funny part is they're supposed to receive the ingredients in February from us tobacco manufacturers. Well, if they don't know what the brands are or what the product names are. How can they get the uh, if they don't yeah, if they don't know by uh, by February what the brands are? How can they get the ingredients for it? So, I think that too will get pushed off again. Uh, nothing firm on that, but again, a lot of speculation. And as uh, things come up with the FDA, real things that I can actually you know, say with some confidence, we'll let you know right here on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. All right, in just a minute. Richard Lawton. This is Internet Radio. The year was 1849. Zachary Taylor was sworn in as the 12th President of the United States. The U.S. flag remained fixed at 30 stars. Edgar Allan Poe was found dead in Baltimore. Congressman Abraham Lincoln patented a buoying device, the only patent ever filed by a future president. William Bond was the first person to photograph the moon through a telescope. And gold was discovered in far-off California. And in that same year, also in California, Henry Sutliff founded his small tobacco company in San Francisco. Founded on the principles of giving the public superior tobacco products for those with very discriminating tastes. Now, 165 years later, that tradition continues. Sutliff Tobacco Company has been setting the standard for pipe tobacco ever since. Take a quiz on our website to have the perfect blend suggestion for your tastes, or just browse around to explore all of the wide variety of fine products America's oldest pipe tobacco company has to offer. Lots of things have changed since 1849, but Sutliff Tobacco Company's commitment to making the finest pipe tobacco on earth has not. Visit sutliff-tobacco.com. For information on where you can find all of your favorite blends, from the sweetest aromatics to the richest English mixtures. 
Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, joining us is a guy that I got to see a lot of his pipes last uh, West Coast Pipe Show, and not only that, he's a stylish, snappy dresser, so uh, please welcome pipe maker Richard Lawton of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's uh, glad to be here. All right, and uh, just so that everybody knows, you're not a, you're not a young guy. You're... Uh, uh, this isn't true. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be 62 years old in, uh, what is it, on December 9th. There you go. All right, so um, where did you grow up? And I mean, let's get to know you. Where did you grow up and what did you, uh, you do before pipe making? Well, I, I grew up in Newport, Rhode Island. I was a, uh, a prep school kid that went on to college for uh, theater left that and went to culinary school in 1975 and I graduated in 1977 and got married. Went on to work in uh, Maine. I worked in Kansas and uh, over in Europe. At the time I was a club manager. When I came back I went down to the Caribbean and worked as chef on private and corporate yachts for many years. Oh, and also up in uh, in Vermont at a small inn. So wait a second. So you bounced around our country cooking, and then you went to Europe. Were you cooking American style food meals in Europe, or were you cooking European style meals? Well, it, in uh, in Germany, I was a, a club manager for the Air Force. I managed a, a very large military club in, on an Air Force base in Spangdalem, Germany. Wow! So you were so you were cooking for Americans that were uh, that were stationed overseas and uh, one... American Americans and Germans. Yeah. All right. So how... now that. that... <laughs> Let's go. Let's... Yeah, down in the down in the Caribbean, it yeah. was mostly uh, the the best French or French Mediterranean that people seemed to want to get on the yachts. So, would somebody find out about you and just hire you to for you to go out on the yacht with them and you do your thing? Well, the, when I went down to Saint Thomas. In 1985, I arrived with $54 in my pocket and no job. And 15 minutes later, I was the chef on the largest power yacht down there. It was a, a charter yacht, and it went from there. I won, I won a competition in St. Thomas, that boat show, the charter show, and then won the International Yacht Chefs competition in Antigua after that. And it just took off from there. So you got to see all those islands and spend all that time on those yachts cooking. I sure did. You know, everybody thinks it's a very leisurely way to work, and it's anything but that. You know, as a chef, you're up very early in the morning, and you're often the last one to bed late at night. And you work even when there's no guests on board, because you're feeding the crew. Did you have a? I mean, did you have a kitchen crew that worked for you, or were you kind of a solo act? 
No, it was uh, on most yachts, other, other than the largest ones, uh, back then there was generally just the chef, also a stewardess, but the stewardess took care of what was outside of the galley. You did everything in it. So she took care of serving and doing the dishes out there, and then you took care of the pots and pans. and uh, Pretty much, yes. Yeah. So that, that had to make for some long days, but are there any uh, noted people that you cooked for that you're allowed to talk about? Oh, let's see. One yacht I was the, uh, the chef on was the uh, Amway boat, Enterprise 4. I worked for uh, Jay Van Andel. Wow. That was in uh, two th- in two thousand. All right. So how do we get how do we get from you cooking on a yacht to uh, making pipes? I mean, when did when did pipe smoking and come into well, into your life? Pipe smoking came into my life in nineteen seventy four. I've been smoking most of that time since then. And my first pipe was bought by my soon-to-be wife, an old green lacquer thing. I don't remember what kind, but she bought me a pipe in a bathrobe because she thought I'd look like you, Hefner. <laughs> and, and did you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I, I she, she, she wanted me to smoke uh, what was a Captain Black Vanilla, and I gravitated towards the old Bengal slices and the black Balkan Sabrina. So, so not exactly what a uh, what a uh, wife would want being smoked around all the time, but uh, no, no, she she didn't like that much. You know, back then we smoked in the house. And she she could handle the uh, the vanilla tobacco, but not 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 those heavy Latakia blends. So, and did you did you automatically prefer the heavy Latakias and kind of stick with them, or did you move? You know, I, I did. Um, it really was uh, Bengal slices and black Balkan for most of the time. But when I would go around other people. You know, back then, so many of us smoked that if I was going to be in an enclosed environment around other people, I generally smoked that that Captain Black, because very few people are offended by that. <laughs> uh, did you stick with that green lacquer pipe for a long time, or did you get into... Not very long, no. No, that, that didn't last too long. I, You know, I always liked the... The Danish pipes, that, that's kind of what I like still. But I, back then, I, I couldn't afford them, any, any good ones. So I'd buy the, the the store brand ones from Tinderbox. And then you know, you... The, they were available. There's lots of them, and the designs were okay. Well, we're talking about in the 1970s, that would have been more of the Danish freehand style. Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I still got one. It's an old uh, old Soren. Yeah. 
So were were you smoking a pipe all day long, or was it just on your just on your breaks and when you got a chance well, to sit down? On the on the yachts, I didn't smoke at all. You could smoke off the yachts, but not on them. Um, so there wasn't a lot then. But in in the restaurants that I worked in in, in the early years, as a chef, you could smoke right in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> The only ex- yeah, it didn't matter. I smoked all day long. Yeah, the, the only experience I had ever cooking was three months that I worked for McDonald's, and I don't want to say what happened in that kitchen. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so all through all through that, you were you were smoking, and you know, I, I would assume just by all the travel around the world, you'd collect pipes and buy pipes when you'd see them that you liked. Sometimes, yeah. I, uh, the ones that I bought in Germany, I don't have anymore. I um, was married to a lady who decided that I shouldn't have them and got rid of them. Uh, so those are no longer around. And then, and then we got rid of the lady, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one didn't last very long. <laughs> All right, so how do we how do we get to you with the idea of wanting to make pipes? When did that pop into your head? Well, my the the first time I, I carved a pipe was fourteen years ago, and my wife she uh, she didn't see that I needed more than two pipes. <laughs> I've still got one of those two pipes, but. I wanted more. I, I, you know, I wanted a cabinet full of them, a couple of dozen. So I, I started carving them in, in a shed in the backyard. And uh, up until a couple of years ago, I just made them for myself. And they were always somewhat large, Danish-inspired inspired freehands. And then uh, when did when did you turn pro and start selling pipes? Well, the the first pipe I sold was uh, let's see about twenty months ago. I uh, made one uh, a Preben Home looking very large freehand with some wood I got from Mark Tinsky and put a few pictures up on Facebook, and a couple of minutes later, I had several dozen people asking me where they could buy it. <laughs> and that, that first Briar pipe I, I made, I still have. I, I couldn't bring myself to sell it, but I immediately went out and bought more wood and just started doing it. And did you use uh, other pipe makers and uh, resources on the forum to kind of fine-tune what you were doing? Oh, I sure did. I... I read everything that I could possibly read. I spent endless hours watching videos of what people did. And when I found that, you know, many pipe makers are, are quite open that if you ask them a question, they'll reply. Yeah. You know, e- even the best guys, I, I've been in contact with Eric Nording, and he, he's been quite helpful. Wow. All right, we're going to... Uh, guy that, that's not too far away, Mark Dinsky. 
Yeah, because you're up in the uh, Pacific Northwest now, so he's just separated from you by uh, the little strip of Idaho. Yeah, he he's just over there, and it, it's just a phone call away. He, he's been quite helpful. Um, in fact, all, all the wood that I have, I I bought from him. That's a. Uh, uh, but his his wood now is it, coming from Macus in uh, Greece. I was able to meet him in uh, in Las Vegas this year. Perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk more pipe making, and uh, I think we'll talk a little power lifting too. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole-leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well-loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with uh, Richard Lawton, who's now uh, cooking wood for a living. Well, let me ask you, are you fully retired now and just pipe making, or are you still doing other stuff? I I am just pipe making, um... That that well, I haven't been able to to work as a chef in uh, about seven or eight years. I had uh, two back fusions, uh, four knee surgeries, two replacements, two shoulder surgeries, and one replacement. Because of uh, may, maybe our next subject, the uh, the powerlifting. Yeah, we got to talk about that because in talking to you, I think you're the only person that I've ever knowingly met that has. <laughs> I mean, just tell. All right, let, let's get into it the real way. How did you got started weightlifting, and what got you into it, and how <laughs> and why? I I started weightlifting in uh, 1992. Uh, that that was the year that I also stopped drinking. And I, I needed something to uh, something to do. I joined the Gold's Gym, and I really liked what the people were doing in there. I started lifting weights and found that I was pretty good at it. And in a period of about 12 or 15 years, I got very, very strong from lifting tons and tons of weights. Now, uh, all right, so how much could you, at at your peak, how much were you bench pressing? Uh, I was bench pressing 429 pounds. (laughs) My competition squat was just shy of 700 pounds. 
and the deadlift was about 600 pounds. <laughs> In the gym, those lifts were a good bit more. So that's about uh, three average pipe smokers that you were picking up and putting back down. Yeah, yeah, I, I could easily do that over and over again. I'd work out four or five hours a day sometimes. Yeah, now we're... Uh, let's say doing partial deadlifts with 1,046 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> All yeah, right. that that's um that's more than two full large refrigerators. Yeah, and and at the same time you were a pipe smoker. <laughs> yeah, I, I was. I, you know what what's good in, in the pipe smoking part is not inhaling it. Yeah. You know, granted, back then I wasn't smoking as much when, when I was getting ready to compete. But because I'm not inhaling it, it didn't affect my uh, lung capacity at all. And if anything, it may have helped you relax after a good solid workout. <laughs> oh, yes, it definitely did. It, it made a big difference. The hardest thing with powerlifting is, the the adrenaline that builds up from lifting all that stuff and you've got to get rid of it afterwards yeah so you did that for uh for several years and then the and then the body started to give out on you yes i i stopped powerlifting shortly after my daughter was born um because the the expense it, it took um i ate Eight nine thousand calories a day in food, and spent a couple of hundred dollars in week in supplements, and frankly couldn't afford it anymore. It wasn't until about ten years after stopping powerlifting that the joints gave out. Now I I met you. You're not exactly a a a tall fellow, but I would imagine your chest had gotten quite developed and. Clothing must have been an issue. It was very difficult. I was wearing, had to wear double XL tops, and I'd have to wear extra large bottoms. I, when I was weightlifting, I weighed 272 pounds with 10% body fat. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, I was rather, uh, yeah, I was very large. Yeah. Uh, all right, so now you're um, now you're retired from that, and uh, and you decided to dive fully into pipe making. Um, one of the things that I like that you do is you the pipes that you sell. A lot of them are presented in a uh, felt lined case with a tamper and a stand and all that stuff. Was that was that something? That, was that your idea? Yes, it was. I um, I did that about a year ago for someone who asked for a had a commission made, and I, I made up a box for them and kept that idea in the back of my head when it when it came up that I was going to go to uh, Las Vegas this year. I brought that idea back and I brought down to Las Vegas. Uh, 14 pipes in those
does. It, it looks really nice. It's a, it's a nice presentation. Yeah, and did, so did you make the boxes and everything that went in them? No, I actually I bought the boxes. Okay. They, they were natural wood boxes. I had uh, Brazilian rosewood um, plaques made, laser engraved with my logo, and I stained the boxes, lined them, and uh, put put the pipe tamper and stand and uh, that those alligator bags in there. Yeah, I mean it, it. It was a beautiful presentation. The pipes looked sharp too. Um, where do your pipes start out price wise? The uh, the lowest price pipe would be a hundred dollars for a uh, an ultralight pipe that weighs about a half an ounce. the 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 shaft is uh, real carbon fiber, and they use generally either ebonite or cumberland for the mouthpiece and um it, it's just nice that there's two different length shafts one's about four and a half inches and the other one gets about the six and a half inch pipe and it, it's been real fun i i smoke one in the in the shop all day sometimes because it's so light you, you just forget that it's in your mouth but you know, then the, the pipes will go 175 for some, 250 for some, and then I've made this um, just exceptional elephant's foot pipe that I've got displayed in a, a leather suitcase with um, a very nice tamper, and that, that's, uh, oh, what is it, about $600. And all the green on that is, and all your pipes are one hundred percent handmade, and you're cutting stems for them from scratch. Every single bit of it. it sometimes, depending on the stem, could take almost as much time as the pipe. Right. Yeah, I, I do all of it by hand. It takes about thirty hours on average to make one. Uh, the elephant's foot pipe took about 45 hours to make. That's a that's a good solid week of your life sucked into one pipe. It was. It, it was a, a request by someone to uh, make a pipe that showed off the bird's eye grain on the front. And halfway through making it, the person changed their mind and I went and spent the extra time necessary to make the, uh, you know, do the the extra hours of detail sanding and and polishing just to make it a a perfect pipe. Now, all of Richard's stuff can be seen on Facebook. All you have to do is look for Briar Art Pipes on Facebook or... uh, I'm, I'm assuming you also post pictures of the pipes on your personal Facebook page, too. Yes, that's right. I, I, I'll post them on both places and a couple of the other forums on there, but mostly it'll be on Briar Art Pipes or uh, on my timeline. There, there are pipes also on um, the, uh, the new website called Pipe Hub. 
what is your favorite part of the pipe making process? You know, it, it in, somewhere in between doing the design and just before I stain it, I'll, I'll know then how good it's going to be or, or how successful I was in, in the concept of the pipe and in designing it and then spending the hours of uh, carving, sanding, and just getting ready to, uh, to stain it. Before I put the stain on, you can tell what Mother Nature offered up and <laughs> how well you've done in presenting the, getting the grain ready to stain. And on the uh, on the opposite side, is there a part of the process that you just really don't like? Well, I, I I'd say yeah, there, there is one. I, I'd say that would be cleaning the shop. <laughs> a lot of dust there, flying there, around. There's uh, I'd say some parts of the shop. I I don't know if I I've gotten back underneath the couple of the benches and swept out in six months. <laughs> so there might be enough uh, might be enough wood laying around to make another pipe out of. Well, oh yeah, there definitely is. I, I actually clean, cleaned out a, a couple of days ago when, when we were getting rid of a new fence on my bandsaw, and we we needed some uh, room, and there there were some chips off the back side of the bandsaw that I know have been there nine months. <laughs> um so i and i take it you don't mind doing a commission if somebody comes to you with an idea oh no I, i've done quite a few actually i i'd say in the last year and a half i've done about oh 12 maybe 15 of them and with that I mean, how many pipes a year do you think you can make You know, I, I haven't totaled that up. Um, getting ready for Las Vegas, there were a couple of weeks that I made three pipes in one week. Um, I can get done two in a week. That, that's generally about what I can do. But most weeks I'll make just one. Yeah, so you're... If it's the ultralight pipes, I can do uh, two or three of those in one day. Yeah, so I guess it just depends on what you're doing. It it depends on the pipe how long it's going to take. You know, because of my injuries, my my back fusions, I I can only work two or three hours at a time, so I, I have to take a lot of breaks. Yeah. Um, but when I go back to it, I, I jump back in just as like I got up in the morning. So I'm in the shop 12 hours, but I only actually, because of the breaks, work about eight. Uh, what else are you doing in your free time now? Are you still doing any any cooking at home? Uh, I do some cooking, but not a whole lot. I, I've tried to get my weight down from what it was. That when I stopped powerlifting, I bumped up to over 300 pounds and now i'm right down to about 200 pounds and that that seems pretty decent 
But no, in in my free time, I had been uh, building custom fishing rods. <laughs> Another thing that's got you out in the shop. Right. Yeah, I, I don't do the rods in in the pipe shop. There's there's too much dust. You know, you you can't have wood dust in an epoxy finish. It just doesn't work. And the uh, the last questions that I got to ask you about is um, you're uh, you're quite a stylish guy because when I saw you, you had a bow tie and the uh, and the and the mustache waxed. Um, <laughs> Where did the, where did the style come from? And I know that that was a hand tied tie. So uh, I, I'm assuming if anybody right. wants to there, learn, there's a couple of things. You know, I, I grew up in Newport, Rhode Island, and that would be um, pe- people would call it resort wear now. But growing up, I went to prep school, and we we dressed in war ties every single day. I never saw my father going out of the house without one. And going, growing up in New England, I was exposed to an Ivy style of dress. And it, it just carried over. You know, now at my age, I feel like I want to dress that way because I can't. So you you've got a uh, collection of uh, of bow ties and you're uh, training the mustache. Yeah, I, I've got about twelve or fifteen bow ties and probably sixty other ties. I, I'd say the the jackets, oh, fifteen, maybe more. And I know when I go to Chicago, I'll be wearing madras. <laughs> Um, how long will and, and I, I, I'm pretty pretty confident no one else will be. Yeah. Um, how long do you uh, how long do you plan to grow the mustache out, and do you, do you think you'll be able to get it to curl? Well, it, it I can curl it now, but I generally don't. I, I've been growing it out now about three years, and I, I trim it every couple of months. I, I, like it about the uh, about the length that it is. So there's uh, it, it, hardly a week will go by that I'm not asked, "What do you use on your mustache?" Yeah. So what do you the, use? The stuff that I use is, is called spiker. And it, is that just made for mustaches? Because I I can't even grow. I mean, I, I couldn't even. No, it, the... it's not. It, it's it's not made for mustaches at all. It, it's made and marketed for kids that want to spike their hair. <laughs> but it works great for mustaches. Wow! Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I used to use I used to use mustache wax, but it it will only keep mustache looking good for a couple of hours. And in the Pacific Northwest, where it's raining, it, it doesn't work in the rain at all. But the stuff spiker, you can go out in a, in a heavy shower, and it, it won't wash out. Wow. Yeah, I guess if you if you got caught in a rainstorm, then you'd have a uh, frowny mustache. Pretty much, yeah. It uh, Basically, what this stuff is, it's the consistency of uh, Elmer's glue. <laughs> 
Richard, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is, right now, it's uh, Prebenholm Monteverdi Twin Finish. And that, that's got to go back a few years. It does. I, I'd say 1975. That one along with a, a very old Nording. Wow. Uh, actually, a Nording Sun. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco is the old Bengal Slices, but I can't afford to buy it. So I, I've resurrected an old tobacco blend that I had last made in 1976. I, I resurrected it last summer. I, I found the uh, the book that I had written the recipe in and ordered the tobacco and mixed it up. And frankly, I, I smoke that more than anything. It's about seventy, about seventy percent Latakia. Oh Lord! All right. Um, uh, what is your favorite drink? Uh, really good coffee would be my favorite drink. There's a type of coffee called tea berry that is just phenomenal. It comes from Tanzania. I've had it. It's good stuff. It's not cheap either. From world from world market. Uh, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? I would prefer a book. I, I've got a large collection of cookbooks, and for many years, I I would read those. I, now that I, I spend more time uh, reading on my phone, it's it just seems to be. Uh, E easier, I guess. And the and music. And the final question is: uh, Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? Um. Yeah. Let Let's see. The, I suppose that the the favorite pipe smoking memory would be that first briar pipe that I carved. You know, I, I carved that, and the only tool I used was a Dremel. Oh, wow. I carved every single bit of it using only a Dremel. I didn't even have a drill. I used a Dremel bit to, to drill the air hole and uh, make the chamber, and a lot of sanding. In a lot of hours. Oh my gosh! It took it took two weeks, five or six hours a day to make that one pipe. Yeah. And and that's the pipe that I posted pictures of. That people ask, where could I buy it? <laughs> Richard, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, happy holidays to you, and we'll uh, see you in Chicago. You're welcome. I, I look forward to seeing you in Chicago, too. I can't wait to be there. I'll be uh, staying with another pipe maker, uh, Daniel Mustran, from uh, Croatia. 
it's always a good time. So thanks again. Yeah, ho- hopefully I'll get a table. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back in just a minute. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corn Cob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corn cob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. This internet radio welcome back to the pipes magazine radio show and see if you're not on facebook to see richard's pipes is another reason to uh, go on facebook and get signed up there all right um we're uh, deviating again on uh, christmas music not pipe smoking related but more uh, timely because of his recent passing uh highly influential member of uh king crimson and uh Emerson Lake and Palmer, Greg Lake, passed away this past week. And uh, this song is, uh, I guess, one of his only Christmas songs, or the only Christmas song he did, but uh, it's called I Believe in Father Christmas. Christmas, they said that he'd be 
guitarist, songwriter, singer, I think uh, slightly overshadowed in uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer by uh, Keith Emerson. And uh, But what a great talent and uh, what a beautiful song and perfect timing for Christmas. Oh boy, we've got a message. In the mailbag, going back to last week with uh, Skip Elliott. Voorhees writes, great show. Skip is a wonderful pipe man and shop owner. I've been to the Briary and even after buying a pipe... He almost sold me another. <laughs> uh, I suddenly realized I spent all the money I had. He is that good. Music choice was very good and seasonal. Hope you like this one, too. Uh, Dino said, Love the cow. A really fun conversation with Skip. Nice tune, and I second your rave comments. Good show. Thanks, Dino. And uh, going on further, uh, Cosmic Michael wrote, Skip, great show. I can't believe you got Skip to use technology enough to record his voice. He is so old-fashioned, he still uses wax tubes to listen to music, oil lamps to read by at night, and when he, crank, and when he cranks his car, he literally gets out and cranks it. <laughs> uh, it was great to hear his story. He is a great friend and a great businessman. If you've never been to the Briary, you should. In all my travels, I've never seen another pipe shop like it. Skip is very friendly, personable guy, it's one of those places where everyone knows your name and they're always glad you came. Yeah, and uh, uh, Michael, I just want you to know that uh, the technology that Skip used was a party line telephone patched over here. Uh, Dan, Casey Ghost writes, The cow was killer. What a great doodad. Yeah, I guess the, uh, I guess the cow was a hit. Um, of course, I'm thinking, who the hell is Skip Elliott? I had heard of the Briary, just never put his name to it. Immensely jealous of his head of hair. Yeah, me too. Um, good of you to mention all the people who do volunteer work in your rave. Uh, thank you very much for all the comments. Um, yeah, Skip is uh, Skip is definitely one of those, uh, and the Briary is one of those rare pipe shops that's uh, still up and running and doing great. So if you're ever in the area, do make sure and definitely stop by. Uh, pipe shows coming up. Uh, the next one is St. Louis, February 18th. That's, uh, only about two months away. So, uh, start your planning and, uh, get yourself to a pipe show. And, uh, by January, we'll update the calendar on pipesmagazine.com with the 2017 pipe show schedule. So make sure you do that. Uh, going back to, uh, Facebook real quickly with the holiday season being a, uh, rush, rush, rush. Hopefully we all get a chance to uh, sit back and relax with our pipe and enjoy the season. So I'm putting this offer out there. How many of you would be interested in doing a, uh, a Facebook Live thing? 
uh, maybe uh, just me hanging out here in my office and uh, showing off some of my personal pipes or some of the Disney Tobacchiana collection or just sitting back. Uh, I'm thinking it would be the week between Christmas and New Year's, somewhere in the evening on the East Coast. And uh, if you're interested, let me know. If we get enough people, you know, maybe 8, 10 people that are or 20 that are really interested in doing it, I'll uh, schedule it and I'll let you know uh, next week on uh, December 20th when that, uh, when that would be. Um, anyway, just thought it'd be fun to do and maybe uh, help force us all to... Uh, sit back with our pipes and uh, get away for a little bit during this uh, hectic holiday season. All right, in just a minute, holiday rave time. Meet Josh. Everyone at smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. As I think of it, this is uh, somewhat rant and rave all at the same time because the definition of a small business in the United States is, uh, it it varies, and uh, I'm reading from Wikipedia. Uh, In the United States, the Small Business Administration establishes small business size standards on an industry-by-industry basis, but generally specifies a small business as having fewer fewer than 500 employees for manufacturing businesses and less than 7.5 million dollars in annual receipts for most non-manufacturing businesses. The definition can vary by circumstance. For example, a small business having fewer than 25 full-time equivalent employees with an average annual wages below $50,000 qualifies for a tax credit under the health care reform blah 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 blah. Well, here's my argument. 99% of the pipe tobacco and pipe industry qualifies for a small business. All those tobacconists in your town, those are all small businesses. I don't know of any tobacconist that has uh, more than 25 full-time equivalent employees with an average annual wages below $50,000. I don't know of any manufacturing company in the entire industry that has more than 500 employees. These are all small businesses that we all support. When you go into your tobacco shop, 
whether it be primarily cigars or you're lucky enough to have a full-fledged pipe and cigar shop in your town, when you talk to the owner, not only are you talking to the guy that's selling you stuff, he's buying stuff, he's supplying the paper towels for the bathroom, he's running the business from top to bottom. We as an entire hobby support small businesses all the time. We salute the small businessman and we need to keep fighting for them. Uh, as you're uh, buying gifts this year, most of those companies qualify under the Small Business Administration's standards for a small business. So uh, we've been uh, supporting small businesses or shopping small long before American Express thought it was trendy. So keep supporting those small businesses. If you've got a shop in your town, hey, do stop by and at least buy a little bit of tobacco from them, even though it may be more expensive than ordering it online occasionally or, uh, you know, pick up some pipe cleaners or something. All right, there you go. Um, remember, brand new Pipes Magazine radio shows every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time, unless I screw up. Uh, tell all your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show. Follow it on Facebook. Leave us a rating or review on iTunes. We would appreciate that. I want to thank Richard for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Cares about the clouds when we're together. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Want to be part of this show? We're holding open auditions this Saturday. Please contact the Pipes Magazine radio show if you'd like to become part of our all-female elf naked singing choir.